Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, as always, Robbie Burke. And before we get into today's show, I just want to give a shout out to all of our show sponsors. Firstly, upmentorship.com, which is one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. The Ultimate Performance Mentorship is 20 hours of top class online video strength and conditioning information available for instant access right at your fingertips. To find out more, head over to upmentorship.com, which is linked up in the show notes. Check it out and help support the show. Secondly, I want to give a shout out to Altus360 and the Altus Foundation Coaching Course, which are two outstanding online resources for any practitioner in the sports preparation profession. Be sure to head over to the show notes and check out these unique platforms. Thirdly, I want to give a huge shout out to Joseph Johnson at Ultimate Athlete Concepts. Ultimate Athlete Concepts is a multifaceted company providing the most sophisticated scientific material in sports science. Ultimate Athlete Concepts is the world's leading resource for translated sports preparation educational material. Next, I want to give a shout out to Papi's National Sports Performance Association, which is an online certification platform for professionals within the sports preparation profession. Currently, the NSPA has four certifications available. Speed and Agility, delivered by Lee Taft. Olympic Weightlifting, delivered by Will Fleming. Nutrition, delivered by Dr. Chris Moore. And Program Design, delivered by Coach Robert Dos Remedios. For more information on the NSPA, be sure to check out all the links in the show notes. Finally, I want to thank another brainchild of Pat Beast, Athletes Acceleration, which is another online medium that delivers excellent continuing educational resources for strength and conditioning professionals. And just like with all of our other sponsors, you can check out the show notes to get links to all the available products that Athletes Acceleration has to offer. A full disclosure, except for Altus 360 and the Altus Foundation Coaching Course, I am an affiliate to all of the show sponsors. Lastly, before today's interview, I just wanted to let all listeners know that the podcast is now on Patreon. If you feel like you are in a position to support the show, I would truly appreciate any donations you would be willing to make to help support the podcast. Okay, that's enough rambling. Let's get into today's interview. Hey guys, just before I introduce today's guest, I want to bring it to your awareness that the Irish Strength Institute will be hosting their annual symposium on the 28th and 29th of July at the Grand Hotel in Malahide in Dublin, Ireland. Now, the lineup that the ISI team put together for this symposium is absolutely outstanding. Some of the speakers that will be presenting at the symposium will be Dr. Eric Serrano, Dr. Ken Kanakin, the founder of the Swiss Conference, Victoria Felker, Alexandro Ferretti, as well as legendary coach Isvan Javorik. Yes, the godfather of barbell complexes, as well as a host of other outstanding speakers that you can find out about when you go to the registration page. Now, as listeners of this podcast, the ISI is offering you guys a 50 euro discount when you register for the event. The link along with the discount code and all of the event details will be linked up in the show notes. Thanks, guys. This episode's guest is my very good friend and fellow Irishman, Dominic Munley. Dominic is one of Ireland's leading personal trainers, having worked in the business for over 20 years. He has supported many clients on their health and fitness journey, advising them on training, nutrition, mobility, and wellness, and in the process has helped people lose fat, get fit, and lead a happier and healthier life. 
His background is in sports science as well as in training clients. He co-owns the gym in Kildare with his brother. He is considered a leading authority on fitness and has appeared on television and spoken on radio many times. On this episode, Dominic and I discussed many, many topics, including Dominic's background and his influences. Dominic and I share some thoughts on how we learn. I asked Dominic what are the good and not so good things that he currently sees within the physical preparation and nutrition professions and what solutions would he offer for the not so good things that he's currently seeing. Dominic and I discuss coaching burnout. Dominic shares with us his training and nutrition philosophies. Dominic and I discuss what real discipline is when it comes to optimizing health and performance. I asked Dominic what changes has he seen in the clients that come to him now than when he first started in the profession. Dominic shares with us his biggest lessons he's learned so far in his career and life. Dominic shares with us his top resources. Dominic gives his top advice to all the listeners. Dominic tells us what current books he was reading at the time of this interview. And I asked Dominic if he could invite five people to dinner, dead or alive, who would he invite and why. Guys, this was an outstanding episode with Dominic and I hope you really enjoy it. Dominic Munley. It's an absolute pleasure to have you come on to the All Things Strength and Wellness podcast. Just for the listeners, D, who aren't too familiar with who you are and your background, uh, just fill us in. Hey, Robbie, thanks uh, for having me on. I've been a long-time listener, um, so delighted to be asked to be on. Um, I uh, started in the industry about 20 years ago after coming off a sports science degree in the UK uh, and started working in the fitness industry. Um, and coming off a sports science degree, like nobody was coming off a sports science degree working in the fitness industry back then. Mm. And I uh, worked in a commercial gym for about uh, seven or eight years. And then after that, kind of got completely burnt out uh, from doing far too many classes and just from a lot of stuff I didn't like seeing, actually, to be honest, working in the industry. And um, I set up my own, uh, my own personal training company, and have been doing that since uh, since I was about 26, 27. I'm now 42 this year, um, and um, uh, I've been uh, doing it, I suppose, that length of time. And and have a book coming out ne- uh, God next week wow. on the back of this. So we're trying to trying to pack all of the what I've done uh, in the last 20 years. Myself and my wife have written, have co-written it um, into into uh, a book that we hope will act as a manual for for each and everybody to to I suppose live their life by. Good, you kept that on the quiet. Yeah, yeah. So, been working on that for a year, you know. So, uh, yeah. So, um, that's uh, it's called Move, Train, Nourish. Wow, that's f- fantastic. Delighted to hear that. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm delighted that I, I, I'm def. I take it that I'm the uh, the first podcast that, that that this has been announced on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not. We haven't spoken about it anywhere else really because um, I'm just a big believer in in you know. A lot of people, I think, did talk about projects before they even gotten yeah, started. Yeah. And I'm just a big believer in, in, in just work quietly in the background, get a lot of work done, um, and uh, and then when you know when it's ready to go, then you, you know uh, I think it's it's good to kind of you know get out and talk about it then. But I'm not saying to never start anything. Of course, I'm just saying like you know don't you know I think Instagram and social media has made everything into a virtue you know mm, like mm. i got out of bed this morning sure this isn't this great you know <laughs> um so yeah like i've been it's been a long process and and uh, honestly robbie if i didn't have my wife you know working alongside me on this there's no way in the world i would have even gotten started on this because yeah. the publishing company came to us asking us to do the book we didn't approach them so that was a compliment um and uh if i hadn't got 
you know, deadlines to, to, to have uh, ready to go from my wife all the time, I honestly wouldn't have gotten it done. And, and she's put a lot of her life experience, which is 20 years working in corporate in IBM um, behind her, and a lot of life experience there as well, where she lost a husband that she was formerly married to when she was 33, um, sudden death heart failure. So it's about overcoming and about resilience and about putting a lot of practical examples and our philosophy on how uh, to live a good life in a, in a book that um, uh, people can use as a manual um, uh, that, that could be used forever. Um, I'm a big believer in if you do good, solid work, um, it, should be, it should be applicable to all ages and abilities. Sounds like it's going to be an amazing read. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that for sure. Um, yeah. Like like you always do. You, you when I when I ever speak to you, or you speak you you bring up a number of points uh, that I want to further elaborate on. So even in just your introduction there, you know, you spoke about burnout, and that's something I definitely want to get your thoughts on because as we spoke about before we hopped online here or started recording the podcast, and we spoke about you know the kind of the quality of service that a that a coach can deliver to their clients and. and you know, a lot of coaches end up, you know, getting burnt out and eventually end up leaving the industry. But before we get to that, just further on from your from your background, Dominic, um, what initially got you into fitness? So you kind of just jump started with your degree. Like, when did you know, like, okay, I, I definitely want to get into like exercise science and go the fitness route? Like, have you always been into sport and fitness from a young age? Did you play sport growing up? Like, yeah. And um, so maybe you just give us a little more background to when you were kind of maybe, you know, in your teenage years or as a kid, like, how, like what triggered you to, to go towards fitness? Yeah, well, I suppose my first All-Ireland final was when I was nine years old, and cool. that was in athletics. Wow. So, you know, I've had a very strong sporting background the whole way up. So I was the kid that when I was, when the sports day was on, um, I wasn't winning the nine-year-olds. I was winning the nine, the 10, the 11, the 12 at nine years old, you know, so... I had a, a, a lot of kind of very positive experiences of sports from a very, very young age. I wasn't massively pushed by my parents um, to excel in sports. It's just I had very good genetics for sprinting. I had very good uh, genetics for jumping. I technically wasn't a very good player in the likes of, let's say, basketball or GA or soccer mm. that I played. But my sprinting ability kind of um, set me apart from a lot of other people. Um, and I just had a very good attitude towards things um, in terms of work. I had a strong work ethic that I was the one that was, you know, in, in summer months spending like four and five hours on the basketball court with friends um, and made a lot of really good friendships um, uh, on the way up as well from playing a lot of different sports. And I, I just tried everything. I tried tennis, table tennis, every single sport. Um, and we eventually, in basketball, had all our own titles, uh, Leinster, in uh, soccer, um, uh, you know, county for football, mm. you know, so I just played a lot of different sports and I knew it about, I'd say it was about like 14, I was in a PE class and I felt like, you know what, I could do a better job than this PE teacher is doing and I knew that was the point where I was reading like Daley Thompson's, you know, uh, uh, book on training and exercise and nutrition and I, figured, I thought this is for me, you know, um, but to be honest, Robbie, I wasn't smart enough to get into a sports science degree straight away because the points would have been like, you know, outside the realm of what I thought I was possible to do. So I, I spent two years in Carlo doing physiology and then I went over to the UK to do a sports science degree after um, I was able to, you know, uh, do well enough there, you know. Great stuff, great stuff. So, Dominic, you know, as a long-time listener of the podcast, you're, you're, you're well aware I always ask this next question. 
that's going to centre around your influences. Now, obviously, you mentioned your wife, and I actually never knew she had a previous husband. I mean, uh, and that's that's a you know a, a fantastic feat to, to you know to overcome that adversity. And, and look at the beautiful thing that's coming yeah. out of it in terms of this book that you guys are launching. So that's another fantastic yeah. thing that's going to come along with the book. But um, with this question, I'm going to pose it to you, and, and obviously you, you can talk about again your wife as an influence. But who have been the biggest influences on you, both professionally and personally? Um, I say, I'd say, I'd say professionally, um, probably like the school of philosophy in Dublin. I attended it for about maybe eight years. It's a practical school of philosophy where you would attend a class that's wow. roughly about um, two hours every week, and uh, that eventually culminates after about three years of practice, where you're practicing meditation to get a, a, a mantra for TM, transcendental meditation. Um, and they use all sorts of philosophy from all, all different sorts of sources. It could be, you know, from the Bible. It could be from Socrates. It could be from, you know, um, yeah, like a lot of different sources. So that was a massive influence on me in my 20s where I just wanted answers to kind of like, you know, I, I thought they were pretty important questions like the meaning of life and mm. what is love mm. and, you know, uh, how to communicate. So that had a big influence on me. Um, uh and then I suppose professionally then, um, uh, sorry, that's still professionally, but professionally also from a, just a training perspective, um, I suppose I started out like I was very heavily influenced by the likes of Heart Gainer, uh, which was a tiny little magazine that I would get shipped over from Cyprus. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're aware of Heart Gainer, um, but um, uh, Stuart McRobert wrote that and, yeah, yeah. and published that from, I have every single back issue of that still. Um, and a friend of mine introduced me to that, and, I, and luckily enough, when I was doing my sports science degree in the UK, it was in Sunderland, and I trained in a very kind of uh, old-school bodybuilding, powerlifting-type gym in Sunderland. Now, remember, Sunderland is a very working-class sort of town anyway, so, blue, blue you know, uh, the gym I was in, yeah, very blue-collar, like, you, you go into the gym, you're doing work, you know, um, so I was trained by a good friend of mine, Brian Collins, um, who... Uh, who trained me uh, while I was doing my sports science degree. And he was on my degree with me, but he was big into hard gainers. So it was lots of 20 reps squat, 15 rep deadlifts, and just, you know, one or two sets to failure. That was it, you know. Um, and that had a massive influence on me in terms of just, just work ethic. Hmm. I think that sort of methodology long-term can burn you out, um, you know, because mentally it's very difficult to go to that well all the time. Um, but I think in, in terms of giving me a very, very strong base, um, that was great. And then that morphed into, into CrossFit and uh, from CrossFit into lots of different influences on the way up. Like I taught yoga. Um, I was very uh, lucky to be taught by one of the best yoga teachers in the country, Orla Punch. Um, I, I mentored under her for a long time. Um, and then, I, I don't know, personally, uh, definitely my wife because... When I met my wife, I was very well, I, I had very good knowledge uh, and I almost cared too much about the sort of like the, uh, the, the, the kind of, the, just the learning part and the practical part of the, of the work. But emotionally, I wasn't very connected at all. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and she taught me what it was, you know, um, to have more of that balance, that emotional intelligence in my life. Whereas I'm reading emotional intelligence books kind of going like, okay, so this is what you're supposed to say and behave and do. And it's like, do you not just know this naturally? And, you know, she kind of taught me about, about I suppose she'd just come back from living in Italy for six months when I met her and we met on a blind date. Um, 
and she kind of taught me about La Dolce Vita, I suppose you would call it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that I mean, kind of gave me a lot more balance in life, you know? Whereas I was too concerned about how much I knew and how much I read and yeah, my training. Yeah. It was all about training, training, training. And, like, I had never drank coffee before I met her. I thought chicory root was, like, a great-tasting coffee, you know? Because it didn't contain caffeine and, like, don't eat this and can't eat that, you know? Yeah, so. Yeah just far better balance in my life after I met her, you know? Yeah, again, you bring up something I want to touch on later, which is this kind of concept of, you know, what actually is health, you know? So, like, when when do, like, certain habits turn into addictions that are actually detrimental to us than beneficial? So that's definitely something I want to talk yeah. about later on. But, you know, you just – I made some great notes there. So it's funny you mentioned the School of Philosophy because I've, I've actually – I'd say about five, six years ago, I was like, I really want to do that. And they actually have an online component. Yeah. They have an online component too. So as well as their That's physical, right. their, yeah. their physical course that you could attend. But I just, yeah. for some some reason, I never done it. And I've all every year they they do like a re like a, a, a new enrollment like every September. It's like oh, I'm always meant to do that online one. Yeah. So I definitely, it's definitely yeah. something I'll look and, into. And they do a lot of public talks as well, where anybody can show up. And generally, the format is like. You, they lecture on a particular topic for an hour, they take a break, and then they take Q&A. And all of those back videos, and are, are uh, I think they're downloadable all now, but I would have collected all of the CDs over time. And mm. I just listened to them again and again, because when, you know, when they're presenting such truths in front of you, like you can't but just pick up on it and kind of go, yeah, this is actually a good way to kind of lead your life, you know? Yeah. Even if you look at what the likes of Jordan Peterson is putting out now, like that's not too dissimilar from what I was getting back like 20 years, well, 15 years ago, back in the School of Philosophy, mm, or mm. even if you look at, there's a guy I really like, Alan de Botton, he had a big influence on me as well, cool. um, he wrote like Constellations of Philosophy and the Art of Travel, and he has a very good school, it's called the School of Life, which again is a, it's the same idea, it's, it's practical philosophy for, 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 for people to kind of maybe lead a, 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 a life that's, you know, full of a bit of wonder and um, excitement and uh, as opposed to what we tend to see a lot via social media, you know. Man, I'm making lots of notes here, so uh, this is brilliant. So, Dominic, next question, and then we're going to get into more specific topics around areas I think you can really uh, enlighten a lot of the listeners. In terms of the the good and the not-so-good things you currently see within the entire fitness profession, um, what what are the good and not-so-good things you're seeing? And and as I always ask every guest, with the not-so-good things, what sort of solutions would you offer? Yeah, um, I suppose the good thing is, is uh, the good thing the good thing is um, is that fitness has never been more accessible for people everywhere. Every small town has a good gym now. Doesn't mean they run very well, but it, every small town has a gym, has access to facilities, um, and there is a lot of information online in order for people to better themselves. So it, I don't think it's lack of knowledge. It's not even lack of facilities anymore. Um, I think that they're all the positive things. Um, however, there is a little bit of uh, a kind of a conflict there insofar as that we have all this access, we have all this knowledge, yet obesity rates are kind of going up and up the whole time. And in general, the overall health of most developed nations is actually getting worse, not better. So that's a little bit of a contradiction that I, I would, that would probably need further explaining. Um, the bad things in the fitness industry um, it, it is the fact that there maybe is too much information available to people out there. And a lot of people who have become big names in the industry are either A, early adopters onto certain social media platforms, like they were early into Instagram or early into Snapchat, and therefore 
picked up a lot of followers in the initial stages because there was nobody else to follow and nobody else doing that, or they have a, a large social media following um, and yet uh, put out very, very poor content, but it's primarily based on how they aesthetically look as opposed to how they athletically perform. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. You know, and I think that that can be a, that can be a problem. It's not always a problem. There's a lot of really smart people I find within the gymnastics and powerlifting and CrossFit realms that are really generous and and lovely people to to catch information off. And then there's a lot of people that are that are maybe in the kind of fitnessy sort of bodybuilding realm that I don't think that they're always quite authentic in what they're trying to put across. I don't think they're very honest in mm. in how they um, sell themselves either, because sometimes posts can come across as just advertising all over the place, you know. Um, so I think there's a little bit of a problem in that regard, um, and I, I would much prefer if we were selling people on the idea of learning new skills and getting more athletic as opposed to just physically how you look, you know. I, that's not something I've ever sold to clients, and I've always said to said to potential clients or people that would follow me on social media that like you know having abs is not a sign that you know anything about training i have abs but don't take my word for it like you know drill down and try and get a better understanding of why i'm saying certain things and how i'm programming and what would your solution then be be to that and and just before you 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 give me your your thoughts on this i I just to to give you my thoughts is that you know, you look at someone like a, a James Stroke Mopex, who I know you're very familiar with in terms of work, and yeah. you know, J- James is really trying to get the message across that you know, being a coach is is an extremely important profession, and that the lifestyle aspect of coaching is just as important as like program design or assessment or nutrition, and that with with these lifestyle factors, it's not even just you um, putting across lifestyle information and education to your client but it's also applying these lifestyle factors to yourself and you've mentioned earlier on already the word love and stuff like that and a lot of this really goes back to you know um internally looking in 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 towards yourself first and and you know asking yourself some hard questions and you know trying to understand why you are the way you are and the certain behaviors you have and then coming to terms with you know self-love for yourself and forgiveness because you really need to kind of look at that yourself first before you can start giving that or sharing that with your clients and to me that's probably yeah. where, where where a lot of the root cause of all this is in terms of like you know a lot of this as you mentioned the social media and people kind of just putting out posts to make money and it's all just like you know get this program get that program i'll make money on this and you know whether it's you know it's very super it's very superficial you know and it's all like yeah, fitness is, is very important, but it really is just a means to get into that deeper meaning in, in all of us. So just in terms then of the solution, and I know you'll probably touch on some of the points I've done there, because I don't mean you, you know, we've kind of had some very similar education. Very similar in the process, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of this kind of instant, you know, gratification, social media sphere that we're in and people sort of getting sold that, you know, it has to be abs, have to look well. And if I get to that, if I get to that physique, then I'll start to like myself really. And also, what, what are your solutions yeah. to that? Um, I suppose the first thing would be to mentor under somebody. Um, mm. So find somebody mm. that does seem to have like uh, a good philosophy. Um, they don't have just the capacity to train themselves well. Um, that they have a good client base. Um, I generally think as a trainer, you get the clients that you deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are complaining a lot about your clients, then that says more about you than it does about your clients. 
all of my all of our clients. I work with another girl, uh, Siobhan, and we, we would collectively say we uh, were, you know, I suppose you would say we're lucky, and um, that we've had the opportunity to work with a lot of clients for a long period of time. Um, but I think you do actually attract what a, a certain type of client. So if you're you know, Mary showing your butt all the time in her videos, then wh what do you expect you're going to get? If you're, you know, Billy, who everything is about bodybuilding and, and, and everything is a, a sort of a, a, a focus on external, on how he or she looks externally, then I think you're going to attract clients who are as dysfunctional in their attitude towards their fitness and their health as you are. Yeah. So I think, yes, you're right. People should do a little bit more uh, self-examination. Um, and I think they, they should spend a bit more time worrying more about their, them, not, not, not worrying, but just working a little bit more on themselves as opposed to worrying about what other trainers think of them. That's a fantastic answer. So Dominic, moving on to some more specific questions then. Um, about yourself and you know specific areas I think that again you can enlighten the listeners first question I just want to ask maybe gives a little more context is your philosophy when it comes to training fitness and just being a coach so like what is your overall training philosophy um th that's pretty easy to answer Robbie because we've just spent a year trying to put that into a book um so First of all, I would say we just need to define, like, you know, when, uh, you know, I assume philosophy when we're working with a client or working with myself. So, you know, you have to define what fitness is. So fitness is not just your capacity to run a straight line for mm -hmm. half an hour. Like, it's all of the uh, components, whether it's, you know, uh, cardiovascular, whether it's strength, speed, um, mobility. Um, but what we, what I've found over the years is that we need to have a kind of mobility-centered approach first, where we're... You know, uh, looking at the uh, body from like a joint by joint approach, as let's say, you know, as Cook would say, and understanding what joints are supposed to be mobile, what joints are supposed to be stable, and then assessing the client from the starting, uh, from the outset, and teaching them what they need to work on in terms of the mobility, layering some strength on top of that, but knowing that strong is strong enough beyond a certain point, it's, it's detrimental to the client, especially if they have a lot of other lifestyle factors going on, and then obviously to clear up the nutrition uh, side of things for people to make them understand that, you know, a 60-year-old, 60, 60, sorry, kilo woman's nutritional requirements in terms of just calories per day is going to look very different than somebody like me who's like six foot two and 90 kilos and trains like six days a week. Um, but omnipresent throughout that, um, both myself and my wife would say that mental health trumps physical health. So unless, mm. um, unless what we're doing is getting people, you know, mentally a little bit better, then none of it's, you know, important at all. None of it matters. So, yeah, we, we need to kind of have like a hierarchy of importance that has mobility at the base, strength second, and conditioning third um, of, you know, ever decreasing uh, proportions, but omnipresent throughout that hopefully would be some semblance of, um, uh, of, of good positive mental health. Great stuff, yeah. So, I mean, th that gives us a good overview. So, how does that, what does that look like then in real life? So, I'm a client and I'm going to meet, meet meet up with you and I want to train with you. So, like, walk us through that process. What happens from day one through, say, you know, the, the, the like, like I, I don't know what you do in terms of um, membership or, like, what, what you do in terms of sessions. But, like, what does that look like from day one to, I don't know, the people have to sign to minimum three months or six months or... You, uh, 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 no. From, from, from knowing you anyway, I know most clients like just are with you forever then, but 
but we just walk us through like a real life example. So like, I'm, I'm a brand new client. Yeah. I, get, I get in touch with Dominic Munley. What happens from there? Okay, so for example, if I take, let's say, Grace, or sorry, Gail, who I had in today, she would have approached us maybe three weeks ago, uh, no, about, about maybe a month ago. We did an initial free assessment with her where we went through like a mobility check to kind of point out areas that she mm. needs to work on. So we're going through like what's her couch stretch look like? What does her dog down position look like to look at her ankle mobility? What's her pigeon stretch look like to look at hip mobility? Get her to perform some simple exercises to help her with stabilizing certain joints that should be stable. Um, and then just see if, if we get on from there. So if she trusts us after that session, we can have enough buy-in from her, then, you know, let's rock forward. But if that shows up like 24 different questions, then I'm not so sure if that's going to be a fit for us and the clients straight away because one of the big things we have is like we just need to try and build trust with clients. So that's why I would have spent a lot of time working on NLP to try and get clients to trust what we have to say mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people would have kind of preconceived opinions of how to approach their own fitness. So once she's come in, she's then block books then for a, a, a block of 10 sessions, which some of our clients will do indefinitely. They just keep block booking 10 sessions. Some of our clients will then move into um, our semi-private groups, which are small groups that myself and Siobhan take. And then other clients move, might move on to our online program, which is um, a program that is released every Sunday. They have uh, uh, three to six days to do in, in that week. Uh, just depending on what time that they have available to them, and they can log in on a private Facebook page and see that every single every single Sunday and have access to that, and that's only thirty euros a month. Fantastic, fantastic, and uh, yeah, I'll, so I'll, there's, there's a lot of different layers. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 just for the listeners of this, I'll, I'll be linking up like everything Dominic's mentioned from his own book to the books he's mentioned, even to Dominic himself on his website, so you can contact him if you're within like an area near Dominic. And Dominic, do you do online training too? Do you? Yeah, yeah. So, like, we've got people that are in the States, people in the UK, um, uh, yeah, all over, all over, and mainly in Ireland because, obviously, I'd be more well-known here, but we have clients from all over the, all over the world. So it doesn't really matter um, where people are based because, again, what we're trying to put forward is a program that changes every single week um, that still uh, adheres to kind of a lot of the principles that I, had, that I mentioned earlier with where there's a big bias towards mobility, there's a strength component, there's accessory work, and then there's a, a Metcon or conditioning program um, most days of the week um, with three kind of harder days and then any of the other days of, uh, of the week are more kind of to aid in terms of recovery but with a lot of volume on different movements and they're more what we would call like MAS days or maximum aerobic function days where we're using mixed modal exercises in order to get the heart rate up a little bit, but then cover a lot of different movement patterns throughout those mm. kind of uh, lighter days then as well. I like that. I like that. That's, yeah, I really like that concept of mixed modal and exposing the body to more movement because I suppose the, the, the big sort of, well, I, don't know, I suppose the big sort of thing lately is this concept of movement variability and, and you know, that the, Basically, if you look at so many rhythms in life, the more variability we have, the more robust the organism seems to be. So I really like that concept of mixed model. Dominic, yeah, well, like we, we're we're changing that we're changing that program, Robbie, every single week. Like you know, the the primary lifts might might not change that much. So if we have program deadlifts, you know, in the same way, if you look at what the guys do over in, in Westside in, in conjugate, they're changing the style of deadlift they're doing every week. So. It, one of the reasons why, obviously, they're doing that is is to try and prevent burnout, but it still allows you to work pretty hard on a big compound lift. Whereas I just find if you're not in, in making those changes all of the time, then I think people can burn out an awful more.
quickly and I just don't think they get the results they should get because there's not that much variability in how they're doing. So all of the clients, whether we work with them face-to-face or online, are very, very, very clearly aware. We're co- I'm constantly posting about it of the importance of, of the variability, of the importance of having harder days and having easier days, and why living in the middle in your training is the black hole of training, as mm. Steven Seiler would call it, and that is the worst place to live in your training. So ju- just to be a little more clear now, when you say variability, like are you are you talking like with acute training variables, or are you talking more with the... With, with movements, movements and intensity. Movement and intensity. So people are not changing the movement pattern. I think that's the problem. If they're not changing the intensity of how they how they work, that's the problem. Because mm. I think that a lot of the benefits in training tend to come from the extremes, where 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 you let the hard be hard, you let the easy be easy, but not totally easy. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. think that's where a lot of the benefits can be had. You're not going to walk in and watch somebody do a gymnastics class, you know, for an entire week, and some kids start complaining about having to do handstands again. And the reason why they're not complaining about doing handstands or doing muscle-ups or doing whatever they're doing in that class or stretching is because there's not that many times in the, over the course of a week where they're working at max effort. Yes. Yes. And but just, they're getting just, an awful lot of volume. And just, with, like, uh, again, just to have a little more hard idiots to see before myself, if, if they're a little more of a beginner, would you be a little more stable in their exercise choices so they can get a bit more mastery? And then as they start to master the exercise, then do you add in more variability? Um, yes and no. So if, the, let's say, I had Galen today, and like she's in her 60s, and we're doing a lunge again this week because maybe we covered it last week, I might pick a variation of that lunge. So she might be doing a lunge onto a step. She might be doing a lunge with a glider. She might be doing a lunge with uh, a kettlebell held in a front rack position as opposed to dumbbells down by her side. So um, the pattern itself might stay, you know, the, it's still yeah. a lunge, but yeah. the movement pattern is ever so slightly different or the loading and how she's holding the load or the rep range might change. Okay, definitely. And I'll tell you what, uh, I'm definitely going to get you back on to talk more about, like, more actually about the training process, but it's just there's other stuff that I definitely want to touch on. Of course, um, yeah. yeah. So we spoke about burnout um, in terms of coaches. So let's get into a little bit of that, okay? So I've seen it, you've seen it, we've even experienced it in ourselves, you know, this concept of, of burnout and I suppose just the actual health of, you see it's all the time. It was funny too, I listened to a podcast, Dr. Ben House was on and he said something very poignant and I was like, this is so true. And he's like, you look at like coaches um and he says they're up early in the morning and they don't eat breakfast because they have to go train and get clients. And he says sometimes they could like fast all the way through to like one or two in the afternoon. He's just giving us an example. And he's like, you know, their blood sugar's all over the place and then their sleep's not great. And he's just like, they're the antithesis of what they're trying to promote in their clients. And then eventually, you know, it does catch up with them. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this, you know, burnout of a coach? Like, like what are your tips of longevity of being a coach? Um, I know you, you've got some deep thoughts on this, and I spoke to Jason Sterling about this, but just this whole concept you know, of, of you know, burnout as a coach and what we can do to reconcile that and make sure that we still have quality in our own lives so that we can give and share that yeah. quality with, with our clients. Yeah, I suppose there's kind of maybe two sides of that. Is One, people are getting burned out, let's say, within the industry. Just It's, it's because they're badly managing their business. That's one side of it. So if somebody's, let's say, doing, let's say, half-hour sessions and they're charging, like, you know, 15 euros for half-hour sessions or whatever it is, 
um, and they're doing like multiple, you know, they're getting through like uh, 12 of those a day, you know, which is only six hours. You know, it's not that much time, but it's another person standing in front of you every half an hour, which for me, a half an hour would seem very, very rushed in my opinion. I, you know, I'd find it very hard to cram everything into that, uh, that amount of time. Um, so maybe it's how they're managing the business side of things is poor. Um, they need to maybe improve on, on, let's say, they need to maybe charge more. Um, if they're, let's say, charging enough already, but they're just doing an awful lot of hours, then, then it, they need to manage the business more effectively in creating maybe uh, some other way in which they can earn money that doesn't have to have them present there the whole time. Because maybe they, they feel like, yes, I do need to back off training, but I have all these other outgoings that I need to cover, so I, don't, I, can't, I can't do that. So they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. So maybe they need to manage their business more effectively. That's one part of it. I think on the physical side of things, um, uh, some of it is because um, the way in which they themselves train is causing them to get themselves burned out the whole mm-hmm. time. There's no easier days. It's all just go, go, go the whole time. And they live their life like what you see on social media. Listen to the language on social media around fitness. It's about crushing workouts. It's about, you know, go hard or go home. It's about fuck average. Yeah, all yeah. these, all the language around fitness has become so masculinized and so aggressive that there's no kind of, you know, what Paul Check would have called years ago, working in. Everybody's working out. Nobody's working in. So I think there's way more balance necessary for a lot of trainers because you are going to see an awful lot more trainers leaving the industry as they get into their 30s. One, because they're not making enough money and they can't you know, get a mortgage because you know, they're, they're not running their business effectively. And uh, two, because they just get so burned out and they just can't do it forever. Um, so I think there's two sides to that coin. Like after this session, I'm off to do my sauna, which I normally do about twice a week, along with some MAS sort of working out with that as well. Um, because, you know, I did a harder session yesterday. I can't do that every day. You know, I've done competitive CrossFit, which is one of the hardest things you can do physically on your body um, because you're doing highly glycolytic work all the time. And I understand, you know, that you need a better balance in your life. Otherwise, your lifespan is about five years and that's it. You're going to, you know, um, uh, run yourself into the ground and maybe develop some chronic injuries that just will, will require, require surgery um, to fix, you know. And I've been lucky enough to have not had to get surgery on anything. And I'm 42 now. Uh, going on 24 by your pictures. Yeah. <laughs> ah, they're, they're all Photoshop, Robbie. I wouldn't believe any of this. Uh, it's, uh, but you bring up a great point there about, you know, you look at the language around fitness. You never see somebody posting like, oh, just crush the recovery session. <laughs> yeah, but, but Robbie, I do post about that. I do post about here I am doing a 45-minute workout um, that's mixed between like 10 calories in the roar, 10 calories in the salt bike, 10 calories on the on the um, uh, on the ski erg, which is one of my favorite workouts I do, and I'm going to repeat that for 45 minutes, but with a heart rate monitor on that keeps me working at about 140 beats per minute for the entire time. That's yeah. the sort of working out that a lot of people don't want to do because they want to carry their intensity like it's a precious baby, like they want to show everybody how intense they are the whole time. Where the intensity does not impress me. Consistency impresses me and results impress me. So people should stop talking about how hard they're working out and show me evidence of their progress. Yeah. I try and show evidence of my progress 
all the time via the social media posts I put up. Oh, here's me doing a muscle-up that took me 20 seconds to complete because I have that level of control now. Here's me doing a freestanding handstand hold. Here's me doing banded deadlifts at 180 kilos. You know, here's me doing an MAF session that has me working at 140 beats per minute because I'm smart enough to develop enough intensity exercise discipline. And a lot of people don't have that discipline because they want to carry that intensity around like it's a precious baby, like they want to show everybody how badass they are. Mm. I'm not impressed by that. It's like, well, it's like, did, did you hear anything of that guy David Goggins at all on Joe Rogan's podcast? I actually didn't know. You no, know, he, he's kind of like a Navy SEAL who tells these stories of, you know, how he went from being overweight to becoming like a Navy SEAL and doing marathons that are 100 miles. But, like, they're horrific stories of, like, you know, pushing himself to the absolute extreme and breaking his body down in a massive way. Like, people should not have listened to that interview and thought of it as, like, a game plan. People should have listened to that and went, okay, I know what to, not to do now, you know? Yeah. But people want to carry that around, like, this is an example of, of, what, of, of how badass I was. It shouldn't be an example of, how, like, people are looking for what's the hardest workout to do. You're not looking for the most miserable way to do this. You're looking for, as what Mike Isertel would say, you're, you're looking for what's the minimal effective dose, not what's the maximal effective dose. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you, you brought up a great uh, word there, you know, consistency. And, I mean, that's the key. Sustainability is the name of the game. Um, and, again, it goes back to kind of what we discussed earlier, and that this is a, 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 it's a way more deep-seated uh, problem then, then, then it's then it's shown itself up on the superficial level in that like people are just like constantly going hard and, and like they always have to like you know just drive themselves into the ground and we really need to step back and ask like why do they feel they need to do that? There's obviously something on a subconscious yeah. there's obviously something on a subconscious level that this person feels they have to do this. Is it is it an issue yeah. of self worth and self love that they're like if I don't suffer one hundred percent, Robbie. You know I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm not worthy enough. And then you know because when I do recovery yeah. session, then it's a guilt. Oh, did I work hard enough today? And then then what? It doesn't feel like I'm doing anything. Yeah. That's what they say. It doesn't then, feel like I'm doing enough on the recovery day. And then and then what happens is and and you were the very person who retweeted this from the Pat Davidson interview where Davidson says don't turn your recovery days into hard days. Like don't don't. Genius. Well, actually, the, the quote was, "Don't make sure you don't have to recover from your recovery days." Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. He's bang on. You know, like professional athlete would never, ever, ever treat themselves like that. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Irish rugby are playing, you know, on Saturday against England. What do you think they're doing? They are recovering hard. They're being pros about recovery. People want to be professional. The people and, and, and who are amateurs. And that's true discipline. That's that's where people are going wrong. People think discipline is grinding and and suffering and driving yourself to the ground every day. Like the, like again, it's that game once which you're like, see, that's real discipline. That's being a real man. That's being a real woman. It's like, no, it's not. Be, real discipline. No, is not. Not. It, yeah. real, real discipline is not when it's not time to go into the gym and it's time to actually, you know. Uh, do a recovery session and, and do your mobility and do your stretching and, and get your nutrition yeah. right and actually get to bed on time and get off the phone and the blue light and Instagram. That's yeah. real. That's real. Yeah. That, and that, we touch on that on, on, on that sleep component in the book as well. But just kind of bringing it back to that part where you're, you're saying about the, about uh, developing that discipline around those kind of lighter days is that what they'll t what people will tend to do is they actually won't do the lighter days at all then. They won't do anything and end up feeling worse. Yes. I suppose if they went in and did more mobility work and did some light blood flow work, they'd feel an awful lot better. But 
um, it's easier to just do nothing then, and then they, they're in these cycles of, like, up and down and, like, work hard for a month and then get injured and get sore and get burnt out. And then it's that perpetual cycle over and over again. And I can see these that same cycle with people who are coaches themselves. Like, they're always picking, like, the next big challenge, the next big thing. None of that impresses me. What impresses me is the person that's chipping away, that's slowly getting better, that looks like they're enjoying what they're doing, that looks like they're maybe having a whiskey on a Saturday night, God forbid. Maybe that you know they're, yeah. they're they're doing stuff that's outside of the gym. A lot of it screams of as well, Robbie, is of of wanting to belong, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to be as what Sebastian Younger would would call like wanting to belong to a tribe. Yeah. So they will sacrifice themselves an awful lot in order to want to belong to something, you know, more than themselves, wanting to belong part of the gang. So they'll, they'll, you know, try and overdo things in order to show, look, I'm, no, I'm part of the gang. And look, I've also bought the right shaker and the right clothes to go with that identity then as well, you know. So they, they very often, unfortunately, I think, sacrifice themselves in order to feel like they belong to something bigger than themselves. Do you know, it's so funny you mention that because... Just as you said that, I have a prime example of what you just spoke about there. So there was a young guy who I knew. Um, so I'm 30. This guy maybe 21, 22 now. But this would have been about a year or two ago. Lovely fella. Yeah. Lo- lovely young fella. Really lovely guy. Got into powerlifting. Got into gear powerlifting. So for listeners, well, most of our listeners are familiar with gear and raw. So gear being that you use the shirts and the suits and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but he was only yeah the whole the whole well he was wraps and wraps well some rounds well but he wore the gear like so very west side sort of that type of um that type of training he was actually doing but he was young like you know he's only nineteen twenty getting into it at the time he's probably about twenty one twenty two now as I said this was a year or two ago but like juice to the gills and steroids and yeah you know, so being so influenced by the the older guys he was training with. Like, strong as an ox, but, like, his health was all over the place. He was having heart issues, like, palpitations. Yeah. His, his joints were yeah. fucked. He tore his hamstring. Yeah. You know, like, this guy's only 19, 20, tearing a hamstring. And it was just purely because, and I could see it, it was purely because he had to fit in with the tribe. Like, that, the, the guys he trained with like, were, like, were, like, everything to him, you know? So, uh, yeah. and he was sacrificing. Sorry, you saying he, he was sacrificing himself. Just so that he could yeah. stay within that tribe, like you know. Yeah, I do think though that you know, in some ways, you have to go through a little bit of that. Maybe not to that extreme. I know, but you yeah. do have to tinker. You do have to tinker a bit with your training, where you do go over a little bit, you know. Um, but it should be kind of more a measured type thing that you're doing, or it's maybe accidental that it happens because maybe you didn't realize that, like, well, there was actually a lot of stress in my life because I was, you know, studying at the same time, or work was really stressful, but. You know, all of our clients know I have a very, very strong stance on that and on on knowing, like, the first question I'll ask them is, how do you feel today? And I'll know within the first 10 minutes how they're going to perform anyway because you can see what's happening in the warm-up. Like, everything just looks quite slow. Or if you throw in some, like, plyo stuff at the start, you'll see what their nervous system is like straight away anyway. Yeah. But in terms of the identity side of things, you can see that because people almost want to have the content all the time for their social media. So they're so desperate to try and impress people um, because then they have another post to put up that's about how great they are that they kind of miss the whole point of why they're doing it in the first place, you know? Whereas I know when I first started out, you know, and I was doing, like, 
you know, hard gainer type training. Nobody cared, you know. We, you were all doing it together, you know. It was it's just a great group of people that 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 would that that we would train around back when I used to work in UCD, you know. Mm. And I, uh, and again, I know, like just for the listeners too, like like myself and Dominic, and I don't I don't want to speak to you. You can you can definitely uh, yeah, allude to this more after I after I finish um, my point here, you know. We're not saying that you don't want to train hard. There are definitely days you want to train hard. We're just saying that make your hard days hard, but make your easy days easy. There has to be that fair to build your intensity. And also, as well, there's there, there's also huge benefits to being part of a tribe. Uh, you know, so like, Absolutely, yes, so there we're, is. We're not saying that like that's detrimental. Because you, you, you get the people who will, who will take our discussion to the other end of the spectrum saying, oh, so what, we never train hard? And it's all about cuddles and love. No. And, you know, not pushing yourself or, or going to a dark place. No, I mean, and you you know me well, and a lot of listeners know my sort of top us as well. The universe works in contrast. We need contrast. So, like like Dominic alluded to there with the with the young gentleman, you know, saying that you know sometimes we actually need to go through those adversities or trials or tribulations where you know we are kind of being a little bit self destructive to ourselves because. If we didn't, if we weren't self-destructive to ourselves at times, we're like we wouldn't know what self-love was to ourselves. We need that contrast. So we're, it's gonna, it's gonna yeah. happen. But just going back to training, of course you have to train hard and push up if you want to get results and, and even just grow as a person. So we're not saying that you know everything's yeah. e- easy and everything's just loads of cuddles. And also with the, uh, with um, with with being part of a tribe, that that's also that can be usually beneficial, but it can also be detrimental in terms that you can be self-sacrificing yourself just to stay part of the tribe and, and, and eventually be lying to yourself. Really, your own personal truth is what's most important of all. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, Dominic, I, I think, you know... Oh, go ahead. I, I think even with it, with it, just, you know, just be part of a cult, but make sure it's a good cult. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the soundbite for, the, for this podcast. Be part of a cult, but make sure it's a yeah. good one, definitely. So listen, we we've only got fifteen minutes left, and I you know you so much we're gonna, we're gonna get you back on. The good thing is that like you know that we're we're both local on the same time, so hopefully I mean we can start get you back on more regularly, like a Pat Davidson thing, because you've got so much information, such experience to share. But I think what would be very poignant right now is I just want to wrap up with one kind of main question, and then we'll do our quick fire around in terms of like resources and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know you you know you're forty two now. You know you've been in the game a while. You know, I think you said 27 was when you really started to get into this, so like 15 years. I know, I know you've done your degree and all before that, but um, you kind of went down on yeah. your own. And just in terms of, you, well, I mean, suppose you know, if you took your degree, you know, you're in this game over two decades then. Um, yeah. In, in terms of the uh, your 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 experiences up to now, what are what are what are the sort of changes you've seen to the typical client that comes to you now? You know, because uh, I know, like, even with Eric Cressy, he's, like, even in the last 10 years, the typical kid that's coming in for training are vastly, like, worse. They're getting worse all the time in terms of movement. And in terms of you, then, with your clients, are you seeing, like, people coming in worse shape, not only physically but mentally in their outlook of life? Like, what are the trends you've seen so far in your two decades? Mm, that's a good question. Um, it is a good question because I got some questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, like... To be honest, Robbie, I, I, I suppose it still comes back to what I said earlier, that I think you get the clients that you deserve. So, yeah. you know, I think that, like, I just get really nice people, to be honest. Like, I don't see their mobility or strength being, like, horrifically worse in the last 20 years. I just, people maybe are coming in a bit more educated, so they realize they need to do certain things. Um, I see, for me, Robbie, as well, I put out so much free content 
that a lot of people are either sold on what we do mm. Um, mm. Uh, in, in the work we do already yeah. Yeah. or they just don't come. They kind of go, well, that seems like it's too much work or I just want to go to boot camp and just, you know, do that um, or I just want to do a Pilates class or whatever. So, you know, we're not for everybody, but the clients we do have just generally are quite switched on and know what they're about. They want to be coached in person. Uh, uh, and um, I do find that, you know, some of the younger people can be um, a little less compliant. I, I do really like working with um, uh, some of the older clients because mm -hmm. they seem to have a little bit more... Yeah, just the adherence seems to be a little bit better, but it's you know that's not always the case. It's you know it just it just can be, but it's not always. Yeah. Um, because like you know uh, the demographic in our semi-private training is a little bit younger maybe than what we deal with on a one-to-one -one perspective. So, uh, you know, it's it, but I don't really see like this massive shift in like oh my god it's like you know there's a huge people are getting worse and I don't I don't really see that at all to be honest, cool. Bobby. Cool. Yeah. You know I think. I, I think we can change people quite quick anyway, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's great. So, one, uh, I'll get one more in, and then we'll do a quick fire. Um, and uh, so, the question I want to ask was, and I love talking about this with James Fitzgerald, and, I, and, I, and you're definitely someone whose who's thoughts and opinions I definitely want on this. And this is the idea of, you know, exercise addiction versus, you know, exercise, exercise as a passion. And I'm still trying to figure out how to word what I'm trying to say or as a question, but basically what I'm saying is like, what? when can we tell that exercise ceases to be beneficial to our lifestyle and actually starts to be detrimental and a hindrance? And I don't know if you're seeing this trend lately, but a lot of podcasts I listen to lately are from a lot of like people who've been in the fitness game a while, so like the likes of AJ Roberts or uh, a, a Jason Ferrugia, um, even like a Ben Kapolsky, and they're actually talking about like, you know, some of the detrimental effects their lives in fit or fitness, um, like experiences they've had in their lives because of fitness, because of the sacrifices they've made and the sort of the, 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 the people they let down and hurt because of their sort of addiction to almost the, 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 the habits they had instilled. And they're kind of coming out and saying that, you know, Maybe I should have looked at life on a grander scale and realized that you know this was an end all or be all. But, you know, so the kind of like, what are your thoughts on like, like you know this this idea of, it's kind of just it's like medicine the dosage it's not too much it's not too little like knowing that right, this is when this is when we know that exercise is actually becoming detrimental rather than beneficial to someone's lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I suppose, though, for me, Robbie, like when I did um, a lot of work on NLP and like the School of Philosophy, um, I was by far the youngest person in the room on any of those courses, like by a long shot. Um, most of them were, you know, uh, almost double my age. So I think a lot of the people you just mentioned are reaching that age. Yeah. They're in their 40s, you know, and so they're starting to ask the big questions. And they're only being forced to ask the big questions because their body has gotten broken down from mm. years of mm. abuse, mm. whether it's years of just training, you know, um, uh, poorly or whether it's years of, you know, training on top of steroid use then as well. You know, there's a number of things kind of going on there as well. So I was just lucky enough to want to answer, uh, want answers to big questions at yeah. quite a young age. Yeah. Um, so I just don't, I didn't, I have not really experienced that. There's lots and lots of moments in my life where I wish I was a better father. I wish I was a better um, uh, a better husband, and some of that was because 
I was thinking too much about my own training. Yeah. I was thinking too much about, you know, um, what I needed to do that day. And, and I still have moments of it. I still need to listen better. Um, but I, I'm trying to kind of strike a much better balance now, you know, through the use of, let's say, meditation, through the use of, you know, uh, of reading philosophy and trying to make sure that there are certain um, guidelines around my week where I don't ever work late on a Tuesday. I don't mm. ever work late on a Friday. Mm. You know, like I don't work past, let's say, 6 o'clock. It's very common for trainers to work very late as well as starting very early. You know, because we do have a 9-year-old daughter as well to kind of uh, to, 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 um, um, to be there for her. So, yeah, so, yeah and, and, and we, you know, the last year we're, we're putting together a book and throughout this process... My wife now works with me as well, so that you know that you know that's not easy because you're you know you're working on stuff the whole time. So it can be very easy for me to get home at night and for my wife to say, "Hey, we've X, Y, and Z to do," and you're like, "You don't understand." Like I I did X number of squats today, and I had like nine PT sessions. Like some of it's like you know I'm sorry, but you got to man up. You got to maybe people need to be stronger in the uh, in the lifestyle mm, factors than mm. they do in the in the gym. Yeah, and, and and this kind of goes back to the, the idea of like true discipline. Like you know, discipline is like you know, like again, some people say, oh, discipline is like telling my family to go fuck themselves. Not not literally, but in my head, like you know, how dare you think that? Like what? Like you're like me helping you out, like going to the supermarket or doing this like chore for you is more important than my training. My training is so important, and they're like, see, I've got the discipline to like yeah. tell, tell my family to shovel because training is so important. It's like, but like you've just like like. The, the, the ramification of you missing one session in comparison to, like, hurting someone's feeling in that moment, like, the, 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 residual, yeah. the, the residual of the effect on the individual is going to last way longer than, like, you having to Absolutely. just... Than you having to, like, oh, either train later in the day or train earlier or train the next day. Uh, and, like, and, and, yeah. and I'm saying this as someone who's as guilty as anyone because, like, and, and I'm delighted to hear you say that you still struggle with it. I think we, all of us in this game, struggle with it to a certain degree. Maybe at more, more at certain points in our lives than other others but it's kind of like the, the healthiest most happiest people i've ever seen they're not the people who are in the gym six days a week grinding not and, no and, not and, at all and, 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 and anybody and anybody that says they and anybody that says they are you know i i think they're lying or they're a complete anomaly yeah yeah and, and like it's funny too because the, the type of people that are and i'm speaking to someone who, who's been there as well the type of people who are those people who are like so anal and like you know have to you know to just grind in the gym every day they're not really like the nicest people to be around either because it yeah because, yeah. because if they don't it's it's an addiction to it if they don't get their fix they're well, just they're just I, so it, fixated it, on it here here's another thing robbie especially with those people why is everybody a new friend to them as well yeah like they're always swapping friends everybody's a new best friend i'm like where's the friends you went to went to college with Where's the friends you grew up on your own? Where are those friends? Right. You know, because right. if you are if you are pretty balanced individual, I would have thought that like you know they're the people that will keep you grounded. They're the people that will say, you know what, you think you should, you know, try and get a bit more of a balance there. I think you're wrong about what you're thinking over there. Like one of my best friends, he's a magician. That's his full time job, and I've trained with him since he, since I was 20 years old. So we'll we'll go and train together, and we'll solve our life's problems in those sessions. Mm. He'll go, you, you didn't say that to your missus, did you? I'm like, I did. I'm like, don't you, you don't say that, you know? So I think you need somebody that's maybe outside of that fitness realm that keeps you a bit more grounded, as opposed to 
surrounding yourself with other people who suffer from exercise addiction because then it normalizes the whole thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's a uh, you know. So I think I think that you should be wary of people that everybody's new best friend. They're jumping on. They're switching things all the time. You know. Um, and and the, and and also the people that become course junkies as well. They're just going from course to course to course. There's not enough quiet time for reflection and for maybe philosophizing on on how they should manage themselves, their body, their life, their own training, how they train their own clients. Yeah, man, we we can talk about this all day, but uh, let's let's wrap up with a few quick. Are you okay to go a few quick fire rounds? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, perfect, perfect. So. I uh, just, just, I just want to take a moment to say how grateful I am for our conversation so far. So I really appreciate it. I mean, stuff you're talking about again is stuff that I'm definitely going to get you back on and, and deep dive into this. And then also, I mean, we haven't even touched much on like our, our sort of more training philosophies and the principles we apply. Like me and you could nerd out about training all day too. But oh, with the quick fire round. Yeah. So, so in terms of your biggest lessons, Dominic, that you've that you've learned so far in your 42 years on this on this planet and in this universe. What would you say would be your top lessons? And they can be anything, life lessons, professional lessons, whatever they are. And that maybe the whole reason why people train is to make the life outside of the gym better, not the other way around. Mm. Um, that's a huge lesson for me. Um, and try and get that, get that balance in your life. Um, so understand the days where you should push hard and the days where you need to back off. Um, try and get that balance right and, and try and live in, in the extremes as, as much as you can in your training. And uh, generally, consistency and volume matters way more than anything else when it comes to actual training and nutrition as well. Great stuff. All right, your top resources. So uh, this can be anything, uh, you know, I mean, you've, you've done so much Con Ed over the years, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. What would be your, your top resources? You know, it could be a book, a course, a you know, podcast, online course. I know you mentioned the the philosophy course you've taken, what else would you recommend? Well, I'd like to take a little time here to talk about the good word of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so the Bible, number one. No, like I, I think the, the, the top five for me would be, I mentioned it before, but would be Alan Botton's School of Life. I find a lot of his online uh, YouTube videos very accessible to the average individual. Um, uh, I think you could dip dive into that all the time and it kind of helps you maybe reflect a little bit on that. On the same topic, there's a very good magazine called New Philosopher that I'm a huge fan of. There's no advertising in the magazine whatsoever. I just get a subscription sent over from Australia. Um, I think that's excellent. Um, uh, I, I think um, uh, a good, an, an account with Audible uh, I think is really, really helpful yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and just you know, be prepared to kind of like download books and listen to them while you're on the go. Um, I think is really important. Um, I suppose a good coffee machine um, is a is a big thing for me. My wife got me into like into she, we had a, a, an old classic gadget year and uh, that's still going. And I think um, it's important to kind of have nice tools like that around for you so you can make nice things. Um, uh, let me think something else. Um, uh, training side of things. I, I really like the, what the guys put out on Juggernaut. Mm, um, mm. Uh, and I think, I think also another thing is that m more people should um, spend more time connecting with others. Like, you know, hitting you up and asking you some questions. People don't do that enough. Mm. You know, they're very quick to hit that little heart button on a nice, you know, picture on Instagram or whatever but like why don't you ask people questions yeah. people you respect 
yeah. you know? Like, I think for me, like, I, I just absolutely love Twitter. I love Twitter. I don't think most people spend enough time on Twitter where, where good conversations happen, you know, where I can hit up Alex Hutchinson and, I, and finish his book like last week, um, which, was, which is called Endure, which I really enjoyed, mm. and say, hey, Alex, I thought that this was a great book. I can hit up Fergus Connolly and kind of say, Jesus, Fergus, this line that you have in your book I thought was absolutely spot on. Um, or Stephen Seiler, or John Kiley, or, you know, any of the people I really love what they put out in terms of the content, like, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, Brad Schoenfeld. Any of these sort of people. Uh, Brad Stolberg, his book, um, Peak Performance, I yeah. really liked as well. Like, they're all quite, you know, available on Twitter, you know, whereas if you're somebody like a Seth Godin, who I think is a genius from a business perspective, then buy all his, all his books. I think you learn from, uh, a lot from the business side of things. Buy, you know, uh, The Little Big Things by Tom Peters, and you'll learn a huge amount as to why, you know, make sure your content is relevant and cool the whole time. Make sure your toilets are clean in, in the facility that you run. These are big principles that he talks about in his book. Make sure you're talking face-to-face -face or on the phone with your clients a lot, you know. Um, these are really, really smart people that are accessible to a lot, a lot of people out there, and I just don't think most people, um, you know, realize that they are, you know, um, that they're producing really good content. You know, Ryan Holiday is another guy that comes to mind as well. Ego is the enemy and the obstacle is the way. Great books. Yeah, fantastic books. So just on that, what are, two questions here. What is your... Uh, and this will be a tough one, but what would be your number one book that you'd give to someone? And then what books are you currently reading right now? I know you, you said just finished Endure, but what are you reading right now? And then what, what's, what's one book you'd give away as a gift? Um, it'd probably be, honestly, it would probably be something by Alan de Botton, or it'd be like, what I've done over the years is, is bought copies of the CDs I would get from the School of Philosophy mm. and I would have given them out to people. Brilliant. Um, Love it. You know, that sort of thing I think is, you know, I, I just think that's going to be more life-changing than here's another book about training or another book about, you know, some other area that I just know they probably won't read, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas if they can stick a CD in the car and listen to it on the way and that kind of, gets them thinking in a little, a little bit of a different way or it changes their perspective on how they see themselves, then I think that's far more empowering than, you know, uh, an, a, another book about, you know, training or here's how to be neurotic about nutrition again. Great. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think those sort of areas are probably um, have a far more powerful effect um, on, on our book. And I suppose what am I currently reading? Um, uh just finished um, Skin in the Game by uh, Taleb. Oh, actually. what's that like? I, I only just put that in the Kindle there and, and people have been talking about it. Yeah. I, I think it's a little bit of grandstanding by Taleb, if I'm perfectly honest. Okay. It's not like his previous work. Um, so, and I think he's maybe settling a lot of scores, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I still find him a fascinating character. Um, I'm making my way through Fergus's Con Fergus Connolly's book, um, Game Changer, um, Game Changer, which is not an easy read. And it's funny because I had a bet with my daughter that she took one look at his book and said to me, this is a nine-year-old girl, remember? She said, I bet I finished three books quicker than you finished that. And she's, she's what? She's probably already on book three, is she? 
Jez, I already finished the three books. Jeez, I lost the bet a long time ago. So, um, yeah, I've got to go and buy her something that we said would be the forfeit. And I'm not even halfway through his book. Because, you know, but he, Fergus has put a huge amount of work into this book. So, like, I would really urge anybody who is, especially somebody who's dealing with teams, you know, um, sit down, read this book. I think you'd be highlighting an awful lot. I think you'd be making a lot of notes. Um, and I and uh, the book I mentioned earlier by Alex Hutchinson, uh, Endure, I really liked as well because it deals with the extremities of endurance, um, and I, I kind of really liked that as well. But I, I honestly, uh, um, uh, uh, Robbie, could comfortably go through 15 to 20 podcasts a week mm. and a book a week. Yeah, yeah. You know? Similar to that. I do so much walking. for me. Yeah, I do so much walking. I get so many podcasts. And then when I train, I listen to podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if you ever do the Ben Escrow thing. Ben Escrow, in between his main list, like you know, heavy squats and deadlifts, he reads. <laughs> he just does a deadlift and reads for two or three minutes, and then does the next deadlift and reads for two or three minutes. Yeah, I, I would probably do that in an audio way, but I would also carry like a little note uh, notebook with me as well. So I'm writing down phrases and writing down thoughts that spring to mind. I, I think that's important. I just, I, I think. Even if somebody's gotten this far in this podcast, please go back with a notepad, write some notes down for yourself, and do something about it. Action something. Don't just kind of like take all this information in and kind of go, yeah, this and that podcast, that was great, and then you don't do anything about it. Like, listen to the people that I've mentioned. Listen to people that you mention. Because I do it on the, on the podcast that you have interviewed different people. You know, they've been a massively good resource for me to be able to expose myself to, like, holy God, like, this John Kiley guy is so smart. I need mm. to listen to everything he has he has put out there, and that's what I do. Yeah. Like I'll deep immerse myself into one person for like two or three days, and then I'll decide on whether to buy more of their content. Like I don't know if you ever read anything by Mark Manson. He wrote the subtle art of not giving Good a fuck. fuck. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, but I haven't read read, yeah. read the book yet. But uh, yeah. I'm well aware. I completely. Yeah, I completely resisted reading his book purely based on the title for so long because I thought the title was so corny and so kind of clickbaity that I was like, I'm not reading a book that has that stupid title. Then I listened to him in a podcast, I can't remember who, who interviewed him, because it was just next in line for me. I was like, okay, I'll listen to this guy. And it came across so well that I was like, I am buying that book today. you know. And it completely changed me. So I think people should have a notepad with them and then write down stuff all the time, because when you start to think on ink, things become an awful lot more permanent. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I'm paraphrasing now, but in Think and Grow Rich, there's a part in the book where he says, like, writing brings the subconscious into into being. So, like, that's why it's so important to yeah. write. But, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I completely agree. So, and, there, and, there, and, and there's another classic you've just mentioned as well. I went through all those classics on the way up. Yeah. Every single classic you can think of, I read them, you know? It's so funny when you meet, like, some, like a really young coach, like a 19, 20-year-old, and like you mentioned to them, like Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill, and I think Grow Rich and Have a Weird Friends and Influence People, and they're just like, what? It's like you're you're gonna hear these books over and over again during your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so and you're gonna and you're and you're gonna regret that you didn't go and read them sooner. Oh, abso absolutely! I I could definitely confirm with that. So, Dominic, the last big question of of the day, the one I've been asking on, on a lot of the shows over the last uh, over the last few months and the last year. 
So we're, we're both living in Dublin. We're going to meet up for a night, and uh, I'm going to take you out for dinner with your beautiful wife, and I'm bringing the magic powers as always. And I say to you, listen, yeah. Dominic, you, you can invite five people to this dinner, dead or alive. Who are you going to invite to the dinner and why? Yeah. Do you know what, Robbie? I've heard that question you've asked so many times, and yet I haven't actually thought about it too much for myself because I'm so fascinated by why, what, 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 what other people would say. Um, I would probably... I probably, honestly, it wouldn't be anybody famous. It's just people I met over the years. Yeah, yeah. Like, just really nice clients, you know, that I really enjoy their company. Um, you know, people like Mario Rosenstock that I've trained for a long time. I just find him really, really entertaining. Mm. Um, who, who does Gift Club on Today FM, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, Harry Crosby. Uh, uh, just, who, just, just for the international listeners, uh, the, the, the individual that uh, Dominic mentioned, he's, he's famous for doing um, inter- in, um it, what's that? I was going to say interpretations. Impressions. Impressions, yeah. Impressions of famous people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Harry Crosby, who um, uh, who set up the Point Theatre years and years ago and is a, you know, quite a successful businessman, and I just found him really entertaining to train. Um, Shane Mulhall, who was the head of the School of Philosophy that passed away a number of years ago. Um, of course, my wife, um, you know, because she's probably, she, she's right about a lot a, a lot of stuff um, all the time, and I think guys should listen to women an awful lot more, and because they're, they're nine times out of ten, you know, almost all the time they're right, and us guys are too pig-headed to listen to, and I, you know, she's just great fun to be around. And then it would be my friend Eden, who's a professional magician and a total, you know, he's just so fun to have in, in company. He's just a really, really great guy to be around, and he's a very good friend. Great stuff. Great. So, Dominic, this has been an absolute pleasure, and uh, just stay online when I wrap up. So, guys, what an absolute brilliant episode with Dominic Mullally. And, you know, I'm delighted to, you know, get a fellow Irishman on just for the international listeners because there really is some outstanding coaches within Ireland that really just don't get enough exposure, and you're definitely one of them in, in my book. So, thanks a million for making the time today. Yep, no worries, Robbie. All right, so, guys, thanks for listening. As I say, the end of every show, I will talk to everyone soon. Take care, be well, and stay strong. Mm-hmm.